And last week, just to recap here, we talked about you know how liberal Christianity is saying that hell is not real. Um, the whole idea of universalism, where everybody's just going to go to heaven and be happy, and there's no eternal punishment. So that's a, a very quick recap. If you haven't listened to that episode, we encourage you to go back and listen before you listen to this episode. Hey, thank you for joining us for our next episode of the Living on Purpose podcast. This is episode 15, and it is part two of our question from last week, is hell a real place? Here we go with the second part. Yeah, this is a question that really uh, upsets me because I know a lot of people that, uh, when I say a lot of people, most of it's social media people, but I know a lot of people that uh, don't believe hell is a real place, and that scares me because the fact is, without Christ, I believe a person will end up going to this place called hell in the Bible. Hmm. Last week we talked about the eternal punishment aspect of it in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And there's a lot of other passages that you can look up from last week's episode. We even looked into Revelation 20 as it relates to the lake of fire and brimstone and just uh, forever and ever and what that is described as in Revelation 20 there. Today I want to give to you a couple of the words that are used in the Bible to describe this place called hell. And so there's reasonings behind this, and sometimes those who are liberal in their theology like to use these words against the literal place called hell, but they're wrong in their interpretation. At least that's what I believe. Okay. And so, first of all, the Greek word Hades, it stands for the Hebrew concept of Sheol. This is where the dead were gathered specifically either with God in what we like to call intermediate heaven or separated from God waiting ultimate judgment. And we talked about this last week briefly in Revelation 20 and verse 13. It's important to understand that Jesus in John chapter 14, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then I will come again. And we talked about that last week in Matthew 25, that Jesus will return and he will take the sheep unto himself and separate the goats and they will go to a place called hell. And so literally Jesus is preparing a special place for us, the new heaven and the new earth. But the fact is that in the process of developing the new heaven and the new earth, the culmination of that has not taken place yet. So I believe that when someone dies, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I do believe that the new heaven and new earth have not been fully completed yet because Jesus hasn't returned yet. And so we like to use the term an intermediate heaven. This person that's died, like my sister or my cousin, they've passed away. But they're not just in space drifting, you know, in a sleep. Mm -hmm. They're with Jesus. The mm -hmm. Bible's clear on that. And so also, I believe the Bible's clear that someone who doesn't have Jesus is in this place called Hades or this abode of the dead, this place of separation from God and eternal punishment that we've already talked about. So that's one word that we see that's used in the Word of God. The word that I really want to focus on, because it's such a vivid uh, imagery kind of word, is the Greek word Gehenna, which is used in the New Testament for hell, and it's derived from the Hebrew word Hinnom. It's literally a transliteration, meaning the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom. This valley south of Jerusalem was where some of the ancient Israelites passed 
their children through the fire. They sacrificed their children to the Canaanite god Molech. You can read about this in 2 Chronicles chapter 28 in verse number 3, and also in chapter 33 in verse number 6, and in Jeremiah 7 in verse 31 and 19 in verses 2 through 6. Now, you don't have to read all that, but it just gives us understanding of this place and also understanding of the Canaanite god Molech. So when you read throughout First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, you see the history of Israel. And for a long time, Israel worshipped other gods. They lived in idolatry. They dishonored God. And they practiced some of the things that were unbelievable in the wrong kinds of way, obviously. Mm. Um, they practiced these things uh, that the other gods and these other people groups practiced. And so the place uh, is called Topet in Isaiah 30 and verse 33. And there's a lot that we could talk about there. And the fact is God was so upset about this, right? And he despised the false god Molech. He explicitly forbade the Israelites from having anything to do with him in Leviticus 18 and verse 21. He even warned them of impending judgment. He would send their way if they decided to dishonor him to get their attention back to worshiping him. And so he even, in another prophetic warning, he renamed the Valley of Hinnom as the Valley of Slaughter in Jeremiah 19. But of course, Israelites are like us, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't obey God. They didn't listen to God. And so evil kings such as Ahaz used the Valley of Hinnom for their demonic practices, 2 Chronicles 28 and verse 3. And so to punish Judah, God brought Babylon against them of course, in 586 B.C., Babylon destroys uh, Judah. They're taken into captivity. Uh, this pagan nation carries them into judgment because of their idolatry and their rebellion. It wasn't until 70 years later of exile that the Jews were allowed back into Israel to rebuild. And upon their return to the Valley of Slaughter or the Valley of Hinnom, it had been repurposed, listen to this, from a place of infant side, basically offering infants as sacrifices to an ever-burning rubbish heap. Second Kings chapter 23 and verse 10. Literally, it was a place where garbage was tossed, this huge valley of garbage. But the garbage was always on fire. It was always burning. Mm -hmm. And so child sacrifice and, and, and other forms of idol worship, they had ceased in Israel. But Gehenna became a place where corpses of criminals and dead animals and all manners of refuse were thrown to be destroyed. And the interesting thing about it is it was always on fire. Mm -hmm. That's where we, we hear, you know, these illustrations uh, that we've already read last week in particular of this burning sewage and burning flesh and garbage where the Bible says where the worm dieth not. So literally maggots and worms crawled through the waste and the smoke smelled strong and sickening. It's pretty disgusting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's very vivid. It's very, very vivid. It was a place that was utterly filthy, disgusting, and repulsive to each and every person. It presented this vivid image that Christ used as a symbolic depiction of hell, a place of eternal torment because it was always on fire. It was never burning up, so to speak, and of constant uncleanness where, again, the fires never ceased and the worms never stopped crawling. I mean, you think about a place of filth, you're always going to have worms I mean, during the summer, I hate it, right? Everything's so warm. <laughs> yeah. Your trash is outside. Uh, 
maybe you, t- you take the lid off and you're just like oh yeah blown away by it you're yeah. blown away by it it's disgusting right maggots are everywhere and so this is the terminology uh, that Jesus used to describe hell now those that oppose a real place called hell will say well yeah Jesus was describing the valley of Hinnom well yes he was but Jesus always spoke in double meanings that's where we have prophetic words if you read in Isaiah where it talks about um Behold, a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. There's a double meaning there. Hmm. Sometimes the word virgin could mean a young woman as well. And so there's a meaning there in the context in Isaiah. There's a double, like almost like a double prophecy kind of thing. And that's when uh, Isaiah is used later to describe the birth of Jesus from a virgin. It goes all the way back to Isaiah. And so it's not an uncommon thing for Jesus to use imagery. He did it. He does it throughout the word of God all the time. And so Gehenna really is a synonym for hell, and it's a very, very vivid place, a vivid picture, Um, and it's a real place. And so when we read about this, we have to understand that it is absolutely a real place. So these are the words that we see in the Bible that describe the place called hell. Here's the thing. I think it's really dangerous to reject a belief in hell. It's described in such detail that it cannot be an imaginary place. It's warned of by Jesus so much that it cannot be an imaginary place. Common sense even tells us that it's not an imaginary place. And again, we read John 3.16 last week. What are we perishing from if hell is not real? Right. There'd be no consequence for our sin. Exactly. There'd be no consequence for our sin. The notion that hell is on earth is what I like to call a social gospel narrative that is not supported by historical Christianity and, as I've already said, more importantly, by the Word of God. So people say, well, Jesus has come to save us from hell on earth, and I think that's a gross misunderstanding of eternity and really the purpose behind Jesus. Because, again, if Jesus was trying to rescue us from, quote-unquote, hell on earth, he would have overcome the Romans right then and gave the Jews health, wealth, and prosperity. Mm. But he didn't do that. He came to save them from their sin, knowing that they could have purpose on this earth now in spite of the pain, but they had to look forward to an eternal home in heaven with Jesus himself. Right. So the last thing I want to do in this episode, I want to look at the story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 16. It's the story that Jesus speaks of. It's a very vivid illustration of hell and not just an illustration sometimes we hear jesus speak in what's called parables and parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings and parables are imaginary stories trying to make a point they're like sermon illustrations but jesus gives a story here in luke chapter 16 and the reason why i don't believe this is a parable is because literally there's names mentioned real people mentioned and so in luke chapter 16 the bible says there was a rich man Verse 19, who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. And at his gate, there laid a beggar named Lazarus. He was covered with sores, and he was longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom or side. This is a a description of paradise or heaven. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell... Where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip 
the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. Very vivid. Now, those that are um, against how they'll say, well, this has to be a, uh, just an imagery story. It can't be real because how could they see each other? There was a, a gulf between heaven and hell. And I would say God can do whatever he wants to do. Mm. And in this moment, he allowed them to see each other. It says, but Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. In other words, you did what you wanted to do. And Lazarus received bad things, but now he's comforted and you're in agony. In other words, you live for all the things of this world. And Lazarus, even though he was poor materialistically, he was rich spiritually. That's what he's saying. Hmm. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm. It's been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot or nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And this is where he's desperate. He answers, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let them warm them so that they don't have to come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, You have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. In other words, you have the truth of God. Let them listen to that. Hmm. No, Father, Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will not repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not even be convinced if someone rises from the dead. It's crazy because he says, please send someone to go warn them. And Abraham says, they have have the word of God. They have the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. He says, if you send someone that's from the dead, or if you said something to warn them, then they'll listen. And he's like, nope, they're not going to. Mm -hmm. If they don't listen to the word of God, even if I send someone from the dead... They're not going. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, they're just so st- stuck in their ways and their traditions that they're they're not accepting of it. Yeah, they're blind. The mm-hmm. Bible describes often Jesus described people that were blind to the truth, mm-hmm. and so you know they hear it with their ears, but they do not perceive, is what Jesus would say. When you read the story, this is a real story, right? There's there's detail to the story. There's real names to the story, mm-hmm. and it does describe. The person who knows Christ knows God and the person who doesn't. And so hell is a real place. There's too much descriptive words, explanation of hell for us to think it's an imaginary place. And so what do we do? Number one, we warn people of hell. Mm -hmm. When I preach and I give the gospel, I always explain to people that if you call upon Jesus to save you from your sins, you can be saved and have a home in heaven. The opposite is a place in hell. People need to be warned of hell. Number two, which leads into what I just said, don't avoid the topic. I think it's important for me to teach the whole counsel of the word of God. Like it's not a it's not a fun thing to talk about hell. It's not an easy thing to talk about. And the fact is like a lot of big mega churches, they don't want to lose numbers, you know, so they're not going to talk about hell. But hell is a real place. And the Bible warns of it. Again, Jesus spoke of hell more than he spoke of heaven. Mm-hmm. And number three, we have to live with urgency. Like, we have family members and friends who are unsaved. Like, that is their destiny without Jesus. And so we must realize that it's a matter of life and death, literally. Mm-hmm. Amen. And uh, I was just thinking, like, some people who think that hell isn't real, they might be watching a YouTube video or something like that and, and just get their information from YouTube. But there's no scripture to back that up. Yes. Right. So I'd encourage you if if you've been watching YouTube videos and reading blogs from 
that don't include the Bible, then you're not hearing the truth. Yeah, and the fact is, is that even liberal Christians, they'll have excuses how they reason away the verses that I've shared. But you have to understand something. Historical Christianity has always accepted hell. Mm -hmm. Always. And I believe if you have uh, a complete and accurate exegesis, which is a breakdown of Scripture, breaking it down and understanding the grammatical historical context, hell is a place that is undeniable. And so not everyone's going to go to heaven. Universalism is not real. It's not true. The fact is we have a choice. Will you call upon Jesus to save you from your sin? If you choose not to do that, hell is your destiny. I hate to say that, but that's the truth, and I must tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have a question about this topic, about another topic, I'd encourage you to email john at weareemmanuel.life, and we will answer your question either through email or on a future episode. If you would like to call on Jesus to be saved, please reach out to us, john at weareemmanuel.life, and we will walk you through the plan of salvation. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and you can catch us next week.